The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Henderson turning cleverly, got away from Kima Rice, who caught in the referee, played the advantage. And Milner was in very strongly. Play goes on again. Jota. Oh, it's beautifully played. Absolutely magnificently done. It's a goal of huge quality and huge significance as well. The end of the season's in sight. We're into May and history could soon be written. Another brief trip to the summit of the Premier League. Liverpool navigating a tricky tie at Newcastle. And that title challenge continues with squad rotation working absolutely perfectly. Meanwhile, the Reds on the verge of a third Champions League final in five years. Welcome to the Red Agenda. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all of the articles on the Reds, everything else on the site. If you go to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod, you get a special price at the moment. That's a pound a month for six months. So head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. I'm Steve Hothersall. It's a pleasure to welcome onto the Red Agenda the Mirrors David Anderson and from Opta the great mind that is uh, Michael Reed. So welcome both to the pod. Let's uh, let's start with um, the Newcastle game, David. And w- when you're trying to navigate all the challenges that Liverpool have got at the moment, you've got to be so spot on. Acute management has got to come into play. Jurgen made changes, five changes from the Champions League first leg. Of course, it works perfectly. You're right, Steve. It's such a difficult calibration act because you've obviously got to rest players because Liverpool are playing at such an intense level and these games are all so big you cannot play the same team you know, game after game because obviously they'll start to get tired. So you've got to make changes, but obviously you can't weaken any team too much because like this Newcastle one, like Newcastle were relishing this fixture. They thought, right, we've got big ambitions. Here's Liverpool. This is the benchmark. We're going to show everybody just how much improvement we've made, really. But... They, they didn't turn up and say, you've got to give full credit to Liverpool. For me, that was like a 1-0 hammering because you're sort of looking at it and I'll say, well, although there was just a one goal in it and you know, Liverpool didn't put the game to bed, really, so it was a little bit nervy towards the end. But really, look at the chances, like Jodrick had another two more, Mane. Liverpool were all over them. I think the shots they had and, you know, Newcastle, by comparison, barely sort of created anything. And so from Klopp's point of view, it was absolutely the perfect match. You know, he made the change. He brought in the likes of Gomez and Keita. You know, did not weaken Liverpool at all. And I think that's been the great success for Liverpool for the last sort of month or so, where he's got sort of like these 18, 19 players and they're all at such a level that if one steps in, there's no dilution in the quality of the team. Like Milner was talking about this and sort of on Saturday saying like, we all know that we've got to be at a level that if we step in that we're, we're all learning. He says you should see the players who don't play the level they train at the next day really to sort of keep them all sort of on their toes really. And so for Klopp, it's fantastic. He's, he's got Liverpool absolutely purring really where he knows he can make three, four, five changes every game, but I said does not dilute the quality of the team. Michael, what's amazing me is it doesn't look like they're feeling any pressure. And I'd say that for both Liverpool and Manchester City. So Liverpool play first on Saturday. You think, would they be nervous? They don't look it at all. They get the job done. They've made changes. Manchester City do exactly the same thing. So Yamar is, De Bruyne aren't starting. These are two teams who you think might be feeling a bit of nerves, but don't show it at all. Well, it's very reminiscent of that uh, 2018-19 season, isn't it? At the end of that season where Manchester City won their final 14 Premier League games of the season to beat Liverpool to the title by a point then. And, and you can't rule them out doing it again, which would be a real shame the way this Liverpool team's been playing. But 
David alluded to the changes that, that Liverpool have been making. It's 34 games in a row now that Liverpool have made at least two changes to the starting lineup. So Klopp is not he's never named really a settled team throughout this entire season, really. This, this period where Liverpool have been fighting on all fronts, you know, already won the League Cup in the FA Cup final, in the Champions League semi-final, hoping to make it to the final. And he's tinkered with the team an awful lot, but it's not affecting the rhythm. And as David says, that Newcastle game, as 1-0 wins go, it was as comfortable as you'll get, really. Liverpool had 24 shots, Newcastle only had four. And actually, Newcastle didn't have a shot inside Liverpool's box. So it was really a case of, even though Liverpool had made all those changes, they managed to completely restrict Newcastle to really just pop shots from outside the box and, and not many chances at all. Um, so it was as comfortable a 1-0 win as you can get despite all those changes. This is why we've got Michael on, David. So he's just delivered a stat there that I didn't know. 34 games in a row where they've made two changes. And yet to me, as someone who watches them all, it doesn't feel like they're ever making changes. And I think that just emphasises how good this squad is despite changes. Well, well, this is it, Steve. Like, OK, let's pick your best at Liverpool 11 here. And like, we know we'll probably put Mane and Salah as two of the front three, but to do Diaz, to do Jota... To do Bobby Firmino when he's fit, there, there's no, as I say, there's no dilution in quality there. Then you go into the midfield and you say, Keita or Henderson probably want Fabino and uh, you know Thiago in there. And then you sort of look at centre half alongside Virgil. Is it going to be Matip or Kanate? Kanate's been outstanding this last few weeks. He's scoring goals as well. The guy is so strong. He's so quick. He just seems to get better with every game. And obviously, the fullbacks are, are, are settled. But you know, hats off to Joe Gomez because the way that he's come in and you know made a real good fist to that right back position like again on Saturday at Newcastle. It's not his position at all. He'd much rather play for a right centre half. But you know he's done it. You know, think of that wonderful cross he put in against Watford. You know, for Jota's goal too. So they just have such quality. And and you're right. You know, he takes he leaves one player out and he brings another in. And there is no that the quality doesn't drop. And say even even when he brings people on from the bench, you know, it's. It's incredible too the options that he's got and see that's what's key you know and it's it's incredible it's sort of a, a testament to work they've done over the what the six and a half years he's been here and he's sort of built the squad that's so good now that he has just got quality all over and i say it's the greatest squad in liverpool's history with that you know without a shadow of a doubt really because they've just got such world-class options in every position and you're right steve you sort of you know, you could probably all sort of argue here for the next two hours, what is Liverpool's, you know, best 11? Say if it was a Champions League final tomorrow, so who would you pick, really? And uh, again, that's a sign of how good they are. And do the stats actually back that up, Michael, in terms... That it's the greatest squad ever? Yeah. Well, the Newcastle game was Liverpool's 42nd win of the season, which is Liverpool's most ever in a single season in all competitions. So in terms of the success that they're having, in terms of just relentlessly winning games, they've never been at this level. This is the first season that Liverpool have made it into the semi-final of the League Cup, FA Cup and, and the Champions League or, or European Cup as it used to be called. So in terms of the records that they're breaking, and they're also only two short of the most number of goals a Liverpool team has scored in a single season. It's currently 136. And the record is 138 in 1985-86. In so they're closing in on, on, on another record there in terms of the number of goals. So... Yes, I would. I I would certainly say that this. There is an argument to be had that yes, this is the the greatest Liverpool squad there's ever been. And yet, if they didn't cross the finishing line or maybe another big trophy, you know, you wonder whether it would tarnish that in some way. David, you know, didn't win the European Cup, didn't win the Premier League. Yeah. Does it go down in that manner, even though that the stats and everything backs it up? Well, Steve, Steve is absolute agony. You're right. <laughs> You know, I, I was at I was at Leeds on Saturday night, and you're you're, you're speaking to sort of Pep Guardiola about it and asked, asked him about Liverpool's quadruple bid. Does it 
does it help take some of the pressure off you to such focus on it? And he says, well, listen, we're not trying to, to stop Liverpool winning the quadruple. but we're trying to do our own thing. And of course, he's got his eyes focused on a Premier League and Champions League double. And there's this sort of like, I don't want to depress Liverpool fans, but there's this almost sort of, you know, nightmare scenario where, you know, Liverpool finished the season with just the League Cup, Manchester City win the Champions League, Premier League double. And 10 years from now, you're speaking to your son or your nephew or niece or something, they'll say to you, hey, that, that season 2022, that Man City team must have been pretty good. They won the Champions League and Premier League, which again is something that rarely, I think it's only about three times it's happened in sort of you know, the Premier League year, really. So it, it's incredible. The margins now are so fine, you know, between sort of, you know, immortality of Liverpool and just sort of ordinary, really. And I see Miller said this on Saturday, he says, it would just be an average season if we just end up with the, uh, with the League Cup. And like the players can sense it as well, really. It's a... Uh, you know, it's incredible. Like, listen, I don't, I don't want to depress. I, I don't think it'll be just a one trophy. I think it's at least one more, possibly two, to come this season for for Liverpool, and they will then go down as one of the great, if not the greatest Liverpool team. Like I was chatting to a ladyman from the, from the Mail about this, you know, because he did a nice article after the, the Real game, and if you talk about the '77 team, which almost won the treble, the '84 team, which obviously won three trophies, '86 double winners, '88 because of the way they won the league and. You know they're the standout ones, and then of course Jurgen's teams 2019, 2020. But but you know really this this one can really top the lot. You know it's just got absolutely everything. Look before we go back into the Newcastle game, we'll continue on this theme, and and obviously Jurgen has has created this. So I'm interested to know, you know what lies behind that, and it's quite obvious, isn't it? It's, you know what he brings to the party, Michael. But he signed obviously a contract extension. I'm sure you've looked in depth into his managerial career and what Jürgen's added to the football club. Yeah, well, with the news of the, the, the new contract that brought this week, um, we're sort of looking into the, the stats regarding him and he has the best win percentage of any manager in Liverpool's history. Uh, it's currently at 61.5%, so it's above, you, you know, your Bob Paisley's Kenny Dalglish, who had a fantastic record, in, especially in his first spell in charge in, in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, but, but Jurgen Klopp has the best win rate in all competitions of, of any of these Liverpool managers. And if Touchwood and all that Liverpool make the Champions League final this season, he will have managed as many games for Liverpool as Kenny Dalglish did in both of his spells. So he'll then be in, in the top five for all time uh, games managed by any Liverpool manager. Uh, I think the only ones ahead of him will be Shankly and Paisley at a two, but then two pre-war managers, uh, Tom Watson and George Patterson. So he, he's got that longevity now that, that maybe other Liverpool managers before him hadn't, haven't had for a long, long time. So, like I said, most, longest since Kenny Dalglish, and that was over two spells. So. And the other thing he's done is he's improved, other than sort of last season where we had the, the behind-closed-doors games and, and, and the injury problems, and, and, and everyone knows how the, the problems with that. I think he's improved Liverpool every single season uh, since he's come. I've just mentioned the stat about this is the most wins Liverpool have ever had in, in a single season, but he's also increased the win rate he's had season by season from when he came in, in 2015. Every season up until the, the, the title winning season 2020, the win rate increased in all competitions. Obviously last season it's then taken a dip down, but now this season it's back to winning the most ever in a single season. So he's managed to improve. I, I mean, I don't see how they can improve much more than than, than, they have, than they've got this season. So to, to maintain that would be unbelievable really because they're fighting for a quadruple we're, in, we're on second of may i'm still in a chance of all four trophies but that sort of longevity and the fact that he's managed to improve every season that's how how special he is i think he he has to be talked about among the the greatest ever liverpool managers for sure so michael's implying that he's at the absolute pinnacle and it would be, be very hard to go above 
what he's currently achieved, David. Although I suppose if you're Pep Guardiola, you've been doing it for several years as well. It's funny, you know, because you can't ignore Man City in this. And it, it's, it's interesting, those two. Like, we always talk about great sporting rivalries, whether it was, you know, old people like me remember Cono Vet. And when you have a great rival, it spurs you on because you know, well, I can't just be 99% good today. I've got to be 100% good because if I don't do that lot down the road, we're going to win. And the way that they drive the two of them on, in some respects, it's sort of, it's sad for one of the teams because if this was a normal sort of Premier League and teams would win titles with like 85 points and you're the second team would maybe be, have 82, they would dominate completely. But because they've got all the, only one can win, only one can win the Premier League, only one of them can win the Champions League. And it's, it's so harsh on the other one, really, because without the other one wasn't there as good, they would just clean up. They'd be like almost doubles and trebles every season. And it's just that the heights that Liverpool are just playing at at the minute, it's just, it's just absolutely sort of mind-blowing, really, because you sort of, like as you say, this, this quadruple thing, initially when it started, you just thought, well, hey, listen, the media, we always say that, you know, if a team sort of gets about sort of the, the fourth round of the cup and you're obviously still in the Champions League last 16 and you've, you know, maybe the semi-finals of the League Cup or have won it. And, but you don't really sort of think, hey, it's ever going to come to anything. But as, as, as Michael says, to be sitting here where we are now in the sort of, 2nd of May and the quadruple is still on and listen this quadruple bid will probably go to the last day of the season so the May 22nd is when it will be finally be decided at Liverpool you know because I fully expect I think they won the FA Cup uh, I think they beat uh, they finished the job against Villarreal and they go to the Champions League final May 20th as well and that just comes down to will City stumble over the running you know <laughs> Liverpool fans look at those fixtures those two away ones West Ham away Wolves when thinking like you see, you're watching the games and thinking, right, yeah, we need West Ham, we need Wolves to be sort of fired up and still motivated to try to get back into Europe. And you never know, maybe that might do something. But first, you think that might be forlorn because, as Michael said there, I just think both will win all of the remaining games. And unfortunately, just see sort of, it could be a repeat of 2019. Even the fact that Liverpool's final home game is Wolves at home, just as it was in the final day of the season. And, uh, you know... 2019 when there was that sort of little was it six minutes when Liverpool were champions when they were 1-0 up and Brighton scored uh, against City at home and uh, you know there was that little the, the word went round that, that when round Anfield it was like the six minutes it was even a false rumour that Brighton had got a second and there's all brief 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 hope wasn't there and then it was all completely extinguished and by the end of it was like oh well so the other yes so far one thing I would add is you mentioned there about how the two if it wasn't for each other would win every trophy I think it, it's sort of going unnoticed if it wasn't for, I would say, Jurgen Klopp, really, but if it wasn't for Liverpool and Klopp, Man City would have already pretty much won five league titles in a row. And at a canter, they wouldn't have even, nobody would have come close to him in any of those five seasons. So I think it's sort of been forgotten just how dominant this Man City team are. And the fact that Liverpool are even capable of, of being within a point of them at this stage and being so close to them and taking one title off them in this time is impressive in itself because... I think we forget how good this Man City team is and how good their manager is as well. And if they'd have won five league titles in a row, you look at Bayern Munich have just won, what is it, a 10th in a row? And we call the Bundesliga too easy for them. They would make the Premier League look like that if it wasn't for, in, in my view, Jurgen Klopp, but certainly this Liverpool squad. Look, someone who's who's making it still look easy is James Milner. So his performance against um, Newcastle was outstanding. But how many is he on this this season in terms of league starts, Michael? Well, in terms of league starts, he's, he's, he's not even made 10 yet. So he's not even into double figures. The Newcastle game was his first start since January, which was the Chelsea game, which Liverpool drew 2 all at Stamford Bridge. So 
he'd really come out from the cold really in terms of starting games he'd made a lot of substitute appearances but that was his first league start since since january so yeah not not many talk about the perfect example of uh, of the warrior waiting to get involved absolutely attuned to what he should be, David, despite not getting picked, but he's clearly a massive influence behind the scenes as well. Steve, he's worth the weight in gold because any manager would love James Milner in their side of the squad because you just have in his presence in your dressing room and all the younger players, all the players look at him and say, look, look at James Milner at 36 because you sort of think, what, what's he got to prove? Look at his career, look at what he's won with City, well, look at what he's won with Liverpool, he's won the lot, he's won every trophy there is. And yet the guy is still determined. He's still disappointed when he's not picked every, every game. He wants to play. And then he's such professionalism, such high standards. And then you sort of see his performance when he does play against Newcastle because that's when we might think to yourself, ooh, is he, you know, 36, has he still got the legs for it, really? Especially the tempo Liverpool are playing at. And then you see that tackle he makes to win the ball, which then leads to Liverpool's goal, you know, which was a great finish by Keita. And he said, yep, he's still got it, really. And, of course, they're now talking about you know, a contract extension for next season, another 12 months, you know, keep him going. I know I know. Leeds always his pipe dream that he'll come home and finish his career at Ellen Road where it all started uh, 20 years ago. Like, this is bonkers, Steve. I remember when I, when I started on the mirror 20 years ago, a 16-year-old James Milner made his debut under Terry Venables for Leeds uh, alongside the likes of Harry Kuehl and Viduka and Smith. And uh, I thought, this, this lad might be all right. And like, if you saw him back then, he was just a little boy. He had a boy's frame. Now look at his physique now. Look at the way that he's gone and he's done the gym sessions. He says, look, I've got to, got to bulk up here. I've got to be physically strong for the you know, the physicality of the Premier League. And he's done it. And everything he has achieved is an absolute testament to himself. You know, he is the ultimate professional. And here he is. He's still doing it at, at 36. It's just, just bonkers. I think the thing is, he sets the standards, doesn't he, Michael? And you, and you can see Klopp loves him. He, he was there at the start of Jürgen's story i think in fact he was, he was in the team wasn't he on the on jürgen's first game yeah yeah but way back against tottenham in, in 2015 and and he's been a sort of ever-present part of this of, of jürgen klopp's liverpool team ever since he's one of the top three players for appearances he's up there with firmino and wijnaldum um so okay maybe not all starts he's often used as a substitute especially in terms of using that experience to see games out he hasn't actually scored a goal since the 2019-20 uh, season, so he's had a, he's had a couple of seasons where he hasn't, you know, been on the score sheet, which which will probably frustrate him, you, you know, knowing his professionalism, and obviously he's been taking off penalty duty with, with Mo Salah and, and even Fabinho recently, but yeah, he's just been this ever-present sort of cog in, in, in Jurgen Klopp's side, and there's not many players that Liverpool have had in, in certainly in the Premier League area that have been. You know, his sort of age, 36 and above, you think Gary McAllister was the last, certainly outfield player, that, to play for Liverpool at that age. And to do this in this day and age with the fitness these players have nowadays is absolutely incredible. It's not just his physical ability in terms of still being able to go at 36. His, his leadership is absolutely brilliant, obviously, as vice-captain to Jordan Henderson. His experience, as you mentioned, David, he's, he's won every trophy there is to win. And some of them multiple times, you know, Premier League, he's won the Champions League with Liverpool. Uh, he won multiple Premier Leagues with Manchester City as well as his one with Liverpool. So having his experience around is probably the reason, you know, Klopp would, would be more than happy if he signed another one-year extension. I'm just thinking, Gareth Barry, was was he at that age or not? Gareth Barry, I feel like he he dropped to the Championship, didn't he, with, with West Brom? I feel like when he looked he, that I age. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, Steve, the one that I always th think about with Milner is Rooney. They were contemporaries, right? You know, they both right. came through at the same age, 2002. 
both sixteen really obviously the wonder goal that October against Arsenal that announced his arrival and you know look at the career he had in some respects Rooney might have burnt brighter but Milner's burnt longer you know because you sort of look at we and I obviously just been he's you know finished playing he's been relegated to Derby and stuff and and yet there's Milner you know still absolutely doing it and like don't forget his versatility as well because you know if you if you're right, I want you to play left back I want you to play right back I want you to play you know, right before when he plays sentiment, and he will do the job, and he does a brilliant job at it too, and he just gives absolutely, you know, everything. And it's just one of these players every month. Like he said, don't forget, City never wanted them to leave that time, you know, back in 2015. They were desperate for him to stay, but he had just made the decision look, I want to play more of the big games. I don't want to play more in the centre midfield, and it just suited Liverpool at the time. They thought, well, look, we, we can offer you that, you know, because we're we're trying to build something here. And of course, you know, they picked him up in the Bosman from City, and it's like. It's interesting when he came, you sort of thought, well, you maybe get them at the tail end of his career, you might get maybe mm. two or three seasons, perhaps, you know, something like that. And like, you do have to keep reminding yourself, this is what, season seven he's just finishing, and they want to sign him up for an eighth, and it's just absolute bonkers. But so it just comes back to the player himself. He absolutely lives a life. You talk about someone who's absolutely dedicated to, to, his, to his sport and his profession, like it's probably his body mass index is probably something ridiculous. It's, there's nothing, there's no toxins, be it even... Coca-Cola that probably goes into his body, let alone sort of, you know, alcohol or fat foods or saturated or anything. You know, he's just, you know, constantly walks around at his, his fighting weight, as we would say, and is just always fit and always ready to go. And again, everything is a testament to, to him, what he's achieving now. Uh, Naby scored the winner against Newcastle. And look, it's fair enough to say, Michael, that they've been detractors. Not everyone has been convinced by Naby Keita, but the manager's always stuck by him. And I think recently he's probably shown a lot more of what the manager wanted from him. Absolutely, I've, I think this has been his best season for for Liverpool. He's he's on thirty three appearances, which is his, he's never made more in a season for Liverpool. So that's another big thing. He's managed to stay fit, which I think has been possibly his biggest issue in previous seasons. Um, that, that Klopp just hasn't been able to rely on him to be able to play five, six, even seven games in a row. Whereas now I think. He's proved that he 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 is able to do that, uh, and and as you say, in terms of the, that rotation with with Henderson or Thiago or Fabinho, he's he's been able to come in and do and do a really good job. He's scored three goals this season in the Premier League, which isn't isn't huge, but it's also his best ever uh, return in a season. So he's just starting to to get there. The performance against Newcastle was great. You know, he won possession back more times than any other player. Which is something that Liverpool fans thought they were getting when it, when he joined this this all action midfielder who could win the ball back and then provide that quality in possession and, and score goals, get assists at the end of it. He's almost turned into the new Ginny Wijnaldum in terms of the way he plays, the way the way he keeps the ball, even his runs into the box as well, which we saw against Newcastle. Uh, but that ability to win the ball back as well, nine times he won possession again against Newcastle, which was was more than any other Liverpool player. So. You you don't know his his ball retention stats for the season or his passing stats, do you? Over the course of the season, yeah, he's not he's not up there with with Thiago or or Fabinho. No one is. He, yeah, well, yeah, but he's 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 the next level below in terms in terms of Liverpool for his for his passing accuracy. It's not quite ninety percent. I think it's late eighties, eighty eight percent. I think it was last I checked. So it's it's good. It's it's more than good enough numbers, especially when he, he I think he couples it with maybe certainly more than Fabinho, who is a defensive midfielder, but he he will get forward more. Um, so he's got that that aspect of his game where you're less likely to to be able to keep possession if you you're breaking forward more. Great to see him playing so well at the moment. Uh, look, we're going to skip past him and we'll go to Mo Salah. 
Uh, I want to talk about Mo because he's going to get the Football Writers Association um, Player of the Year award this week. Did you vote in this one, David? Yep, voted for him. We're going to be there on Thursday night. I right. think he's going to be presented the award by, by Ian Russia, which, which will be a nice uh, moment, really. I think, he loves uh, Russia as well, doesn't he? Yeah, it's interesting. That. It, 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 but, you know, and, I know it's a glib thing to say to him, oh, he, he loves Russia and all that, but it, it's great that someone like Mo Salah comes in, he understands the history of Liverpool, and he says, well, you know, before we, this, they used to win stuff, big stuff as well, and there's this guy in Russia, and then season 83 84, was it 49? 49 goals he scored in that campaign or something out there you know a proper Liverpool legend what, what is it 249 250 goals or something it's just it's just nonsense isn't it really and so he can actually see his statistics and appreciate and meet this guy and go wow you're pretty special Russia you know so that'll be a nice moment really and, and, and it's great as well that um the Liverpool and Salah are making the effort. You know, it's not really an easy thing. Oh, what are you doing Thursday? Oh, can you get yourself down to, to central London to do this award and collect this award and get yourself back up to Merseyside and prepare for a slightly big game against Tottenham on, on Saturday evening, really. So sort of full credit to them for, um, you know, for, for taking the time. It's such an easy thing to say, do you know what? We're up to our eyeballs here with this... Uh, with all these games, you know, Russia, you go and represent the club ambassador and sort of accept it on his behalf. But no, it's a great thing that he's actually going to be there in person to uh, to receive it. I mean, what, what, how could you not admire Russia's record? It's 660 games, 346 goals. Um, I, di- I did a Christmas event at Anfield. Russia was there. We had Mo and Jurgen on the screen talking as well. And you could see, and for all this talk about, you know, Mo would like to move away and, you know, at times... People say maybe he he doesn't appreciate the club to its full extent. He absolutely knows everything about Rushy's stats. He understands where he wants to be in the club's history books, and he is he is moving up the ladder. And I think you know, despite maybe you look back a couple of seasons ago and when he last got this award, Michael, uh, his stats maybe aren't as good this year in terms of goal score, but he's a better player all round. All round, yeah. Um, he's also not just top for, for goals this season, he's top for assists as well in, in the Premier League. But to be fair to him, he's always been quite quite high for assists. I think it, this is the fourth season he's had 10 or more assists out of five for Liverpool. So he's always been pretty good in terms of his assist record as well. But yeah, I think he's mentioned before in interviews about if he stays at Liverpool trying to catch Ian Rush, which would, be, I mean, it to get to 346 goals, probably impossible. He'd probably he'd have to play until maybe he's 41, 42 to make that possible. But that shows how incredible Russia's record is, really. But in terms of Mo Salah's goal rate, it's up there as the best in Liverpool's history by any player. Okay, some would say his form at the minute hasn't been great, but he's been involved in five goals in his last three starts. So I don't really know <laughs> what more he can, can do in terms of his, his contribution in front of goal. And he certainly keeps getting the chances. And similarly to James Milner, the condition he keeps himself in is absolutely tremendous. I think that's why he's, he, he plays so many games. You know, he plays upwards of 90% of the minutes available for Liverpool players every single season. How many times has he been to extra time this season with Egypt in the African Cup of Nations? I think they had four games go to extra time. And then in the World Cup qualifying with Senegal, went to extra time. League Cup final with Liverpool went to extra time. So you wouldn't blame him if he was if he was tired or, or looking like he was struggling. But I personally don't think he is. He's still creating so many chances. There was that moment in the Newcastle game where the ball was played over the top and he, and Matt Target, I think, was the defender and he had a good five yards on him. He just turned on the afterburners and easily beat him to the ball. And he was running so fast he couldn't quite get the ball under close enough control to get a good enough shot away. But his, his fitness levels and his... his professionalism in terms of how he keeps himself fit and in terms of going to the awards on 
on Thursday night. So he, he understands, you know, what's expected of him off the pitch as well. He's, he's just a brilliant player, really, isn't he? And a brilliant man as well. Never injured, just like Sadio Mane as well. Who, who's your top three in your head, by the way, David? We should say this, really, but... Well, <laughs> That's oh, fair enough. Everyone's got Salah, an opinion. Marlon, De Bruyne, trying to get. Yeah, I was trying to get the order. Yeah, Salamani, De Bruyne, it was. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's give a quick thought on the Champions League semi-final second leg. Just amazing how quickly attention turns away from one competition to another, isn't it? As soon as you'd finished the first leg against Villarreal at Anfield, David... It didn't feel to me like the end of a Champions League semi-final. And th- and that's simply because there's so much to play for elsewhere. Whereas in previous seasons where we got to that point, it felt like the biggest thing in the world. Yeah, do you know what? That's a very good point. Because I'm just trying to think back even to under Rafa's time. I remember, was it when they beat Chelsea in one of the semi-finals? The second time, and the players famously were went out on the night and were still walking around in their training gear at sort of 7 o'clock the next morning or something like he sent to Liverpool and stuff and you're right they, it celebrated like it was a really really big deal you know getting to the Champions League whereas this one as you say it's almost just as Jürgen says half time job they'll move on to the next one really and even if they complete the job as we fully expect on, on Tuesday night you know I, there won't be many much celebration because you're, you're then going to get the plane get yourself back get yourself focused for, for Spurs on, on Saturday evening really so it's it's incredible, and then you sort of think there's an FA Cup final in there on the 14th of May, and if they win that again, normally it'd be the old open top bus parade around Liverpool. Stuff. No, no, can't do it again. Nothing, you know, a, a quiet celebration, you know, back in the play on our back, back up and prepare, you know, for another league game in the climax of the season. It's 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 incredible. There will obviously be a moment, you know, at the end of all this that look, no matter how many trophies they win, they, they, everyone deserves to celebrate this, and I think there's even that extra feeling because. The fans were denied the title celebration in 2020. Uh, that that you know that really everyone is due a proper a proper celebration this season. Almost sort of you know reflects of that campaign as well. The, the, the party that wasn't to just sort of reflect and enjoy and savor everything that's happened. A big. I thought there was a big golfing class between Villarreal and Liverpool, Michael. I mean, you, look, you never know what will happen in in a second leg, but they're not flying in the league. Are they? they lost to the, the 19th place side, Alaves. Yeah. <laughs> The weekend. I think, I think they'd made a number of changes, but yeah. Uh, but in terms of the, the 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 first like game, Villarreal only had one shot, which is the joint lowest any teams had in a Champions League semi final on record. It was complete domination. Liverpool. It was one of I think Klopp. He won't maybe say this, but it's probably one of his favourite performances from from Liverpool in terms of that counter pressing. Every time Liverpool lost the ball, they were winning it back within seconds, and and they actually. 
the stat we, we got from, from Opta was that Liverpool had 22 what we call high turnovers, so winning the ball back within 40 metres of the opponent's goal line, which is Liverpool's most in a Champions League game under Klopp. And it's also the most by any team in, in this season's knockout stages as well. So it was that perfect, you know, Jurgen Klopp Liverpool performance in terms of dominating the possession of the ball, but then when, when they lost it, just this ability to win it back incredibly quickly. I don't think 2-0 flattered Liverpool in any way. Um, I think if you've been critical, I think Klopp would have liked maybe one or two more goals. Obviously, it took an own goal, quite a fluky own goal, really, to, to break the deadlock. But there was that goal in class. And I don't think people say Villarreal were a bit, bit negative, and I saw some criticism of them that they were a bit defensive, but I think they just couldn't get out. I don't think it was a case that they wanted to play so defensively. Because they did try to, to counter-attack and they certainly offered more than, say, Everton did the game before against Liverpool where they really did just sit behind the ball. Villarreal did try to, to, to attack, but Liverpool, it was just one of those brilliant performances. And a lot of people say that was Liverpool's pretty much strongest starting eleven as well, aside from maybe Matip would have come in for Canate. But it sort of showed on the pitch in terms of just how much Liverpool dominated that game. And maybe that made it not feel like the Champions League semi-final, like you say, because... In a semi-final, you expect it to be really close and, and, and really tricky and a really tough match, but Liverpool made it look a lot easier than it could and maybe should have been. That other semi looks a little bit more um, tricky. I'm back in Real Madrid. Um, a couple of articles to, to point your way. Uh, if you want to have a look on The Athletic now, Liverpool, Manchester United and the number 20. Great piece by Oli Kay uh, there. And also Liverpool... Klopp's contract and the cost of competing at the very top from Simon Hughes. And we'll talk with Simon when he comes on uh, on the podcast next time about that. But a good insight into Jurgen Klopp signing a new deal. Just before we go, I'm really interested to know, you might not be able to answer this, Michael. If you had to pick one player in the Liverpool side whose stats were above everyone else, does that make sense? Is there one player who has got the best set of stats in this Liverpool squad at the moment? There's two names jump out into my head and Salah in terms of having his, his minutes per goal, I think it's the second best in Liverpool's history for players who played 100 or more games. In terms of one stat that a lot of people won't realise is with Thiago, is that it, Liverpool have won, I think it's 24 of the last 26 games he started and they've only lost one of those and that one was into Milan in the Champions League where it didn't matter, Liverpool had, had pretty much done the job in, in the first leg. So I have to, I'd have to say one of those two. I think Salah, in terms of historically, his stats stack up with any Liverpool goal scorer ever. So I probably have to say Salah on that basis. But Thiago recently is, put, is pushing him close. You've got to mention Thiago in every pod, haven't you, David? <laughs> he just nods his head. <laughs> oh, no, Thiago, you just... Again, you're racking your brains. You know, yeah, more with the way he could pass a ball. And he, he, like, Thiago sees passes, or so he completes passes that people can't even see. Again, there's you know, Mike was making the point about the improvement in Liverpool, how they continually impress. And like you know, Thiago is one of the reasons why Liverpool are better this season because obviously last season was very difficult for him. He came in, he got injured after the derby, then came back. Liverpool were in free fall and. You know, it was a difficult situation, but then he stabilised and, and him and Liverpool finished the season quite well. And of course, he's carried it on this season to say when he gets on the ball, like it was interesting when Everton played Liverpool, they were, the idea was push Thiago back, do not let Thiago get on the ball further up the field, try and push him further back, you know, which they sort of did quite successfully. But, you know, when he's on that ball around sort of, I don't know, 10 yards outside the opposition box and he's pinging those balls around or he hits those diagonals, it's just... He just rips teams apart, really. And it's, just, it's, just so, it's very hard to counter that, really. And it's, it just gives you that... 
extra extra weapon in terms of sort of passing which is just another reason why Liverpool continue to get better and better every game uh, Thiago against Manchester United will never be matched will it that, that first half absolutely brilliant um, Michael superb thank you very much Michael Reed from Opta great stats as always wonderful to have David Anderson on the pod as well thank you for listening to the Red Agenda so many of these at the moment but so much to talk about fingers crossed for that Villarreal game we'll talk that and the Spurs game in the next pod we'll see you then